You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. This whole case is very, very weird. Paul Pelosi assaulted in his home in San Francisco, the one he shares with Nancy Pelosi when she's in San Francisco. Now, first things first, we want Paul Pelosi to get better, definitely. And violence is never, never the answer. But we've got questions. And right now, details are sketchy, and I do believe deliberately so. First, let's start off with how we all found out about this initially from the office of Nancy Pelosi. Number one, she said early this morning, an assailant broke into the Pelosi residence in San Francisco and violently assaulted Mr. Pelosi. All right. There's a problem with this statement, however. The police did not say that anyone broke into the Pelosi home. They conspicuously did not say that. We'll get to that in a moment. But this is a big discrepancy between what she's saying and what the police are saying so far. Next, please. The speaker and her family are grateful to the first responders and medical professionals involved and request privacy at this time. I'm sorry uh, for what happened, but privacy at this time, you are second in line to the presidency. It's a big, high-profile job, and people want to know. Understandably so. The press conference today held by the San Francisco police was very interesting for what they said and what they did not say. Uh, we're going to play it in its entirety. Now, it's remarkably short, and they took no questions. Let's, uh, let's watch this together. At approximately 2.27 this morning, San Francisco police officers were dispatched to the residence of Speaker Nancy Pelosi regarding an A-priority well-being check. When the officers arrived on scene, they encountered an adult male and Mr. Pelosi's husband, Paul. Our officers observed Mr. Pelosi and the suspect both holding a hammer. The suspect pulled the hammer away from Mr. Pelosi and violently assaulted him with it. Our officers immediately tackled the suspect, disarmed him, took him into custody, requested emergency backup, and rendered medical aid. The suspect has been identified as 42-year-old David DePepe. Mr. Pelosi and Mr. DePepe were transported to a local hospital for treatment. This is an active investigation currently being led by the San Francisco Police Department Special Investigations Division. We are working closely with our partners from the FBI, the U.S. Attorney's Office, the U.S. Capitol Police, and our district attorney here in San Francisco County, uh, D.A. Brooke Jenkins and her team. The motive for this attack is still being determined. Mr. DePepe 
will be booked at the San Francisco County Jail on the following charges. Attempted homicide, assault with a deadly weapon, elder abuse, burglary, and several, several other additional felonies. So, what do you think? Are you impressed? That's all the information they gave. After that, it was thanking some police officers and the dispatcher and no more questions. Uh, there was a lot they did not say. Did you notice anything odd? Take a look at this. At approximately 2.27 this morning, San Francisco police officers were dispatched to the residence of Speaker Nancy Pelosi regarding an A-priority well-being check. When the officers arrived on scene, they encountered an adult male and Mr. Pelosi's husband, Paul. Okay, number one, what is an A-priority well-being check? I don't know. I know what a 911 call is. I know when a neighbor observes something. I don't know what an A-priority well-being check is. My guess is it's when somebody who's not there is worried about somebody there and makes a phone call, but they didn't explain. Who made the call? How did they find out about this situation? And next, police, when they arrived, they encountered an adult male and Mrs. Pelosi's husband, Paul. Doing what? What encountered? Where? Where in the house? How did they get there? What door? What room? None of this is included. Strangely, I believe. Next. Our officers observed Mr. Pelosi and the suspect both holding a hammer. The suspect pulled the hammer away from Ms. Pelosi and violently assaulted him with it. Well, that is terrible, the violent assault, but our officers observed Mr. Pelosi and the suspect both holding a hammer. So it's one hammer and they're both holding it. Are they struggling for it? Are they having a fight? Are, or possibly do they each have a hammer? No, I think it's one hammer. But what's happening? You know, the New York Times and others uh, wrongly said that they were struggling. The police officer did not say that. Words are important. He's reading from a written statement. What happened here? Next. Our officers immediately tackled the suspect, disarmed him, took him into custody, requested emergency backup, and rendered medical aid. The suspect has been identified as 42-year-old David DePepe. All right, great job by the cops responding, stopping the attack, getting first aid and all that stuff. The suspect is 42-year-old David DePepe. We're guessing at the spelling. He didn't spell it for us. Didn't say where the guy is from, what he does for a living, who he is, nothing about him. That's unusual in a press conference of this nature. At least tell us something about the guy other than 42 years old. Very odd, not standard. Next. Mr. Pelosi and Mr. DePapi were transported to a local hospital for treatment. This is an active investigation currently being led by the San Francisco Police Department Special Investigations Division. We are working closely with our partners from the FBI, the U.S. Attorney's Office, the U.S. Capitol Police, and our district attorney here in San Francisco County, uh, D.A. Brooke Jenkins and her team. I got to admit, I'm a little bit nervous at this point. Who's walking around this case? The FBI, the U.S. Attorney's Office, the Capitol Police, and our district attorney. Uh, that's the same district attorney's office that Kamala Harris once headed. Will this be apolitical? Will we find out everything there is to find out about this case with this crew? I hope so, but I'm not sure. Next. The motive for this attack is still being determined. 
Well, that's interesting because before this press conference, I heard the fake news saying all kinds of things about the motive of the person involved. The motive of the attack is still being determined. Now, if what the fake news says is true, and I have my doubts, of course, because they said it before this press conference, how easy would it be for the chief to actually say this? But he doesn't. Why not? Maybe because all of this is untrue. Take a look. I've just been told by a source who was briefed on the attack uh, that the assailant who attacked Paul Pelosi was actually in search for the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. We have learned that the suspect was yelling, where is Nancy, before and during the assault. Before the assault occurred, according to this source, the intruder confronted Mr. Pelosi in their home, shouting, where is Nancy? Where is Nancy? Debbie Dingell, that's what the intruders going through the hallways on January 6th were shouting, Nancy, Nancy. This is part of the January 6th insurrection toxicity. You see? You see? The story writes itself. But the police are not telling that story. There's something else, actually, about the charges that will be filed against the uh, uh, suspect. Mr. DePepe will be booked at the San Francisco County Jail on the following charges. Attempted homicide, assault with a deadly weapon, elder abuse, burglary, and several, several other additional felonies. All right. It all makes sense. But the charge of elder abuse stood out to me. Elder abuse. This is how we commonly think of elder abuse, a single or repeated act or lack of appropriate action occurring within any relationship where there is an expectation of trust, which causes harm or distress to an older person. Any relationship where there is an expectation of trust. Is there a pre-existing relationship? They're leaving a lot of detail out. It's a reasonable question. And they didn't say there was a break-in. By the way, that's the definition according to the World Health Organization. It does vary from state to state, the penal code. But it's all interesting, isn't it? And then they were in an awful rush to get the hell out of there. Thank you all for being here. I know you may have. We'll update you when we get more. Do you know how he got into the house? That's it for right now. We're not going to take any questions. Thank you. We, our office will be issuing a news release very soon. But that's it for now. Thank you. That's it? Did you hear the question? How did the guy get in the house? They wouldn't take that question. That's pretty simple. That's a direct question. There should be a simple answer. They got the FBI, everybody crawling all over the house. They don't know that yet. Something's up, in my opinion, or maybe not. Paul Pelosi has had an eventful year, hasn't he? This is the mugshot from when he was pulled over and arrested for DWI. By the way, He's under probation for that. Let's see. They sentenced him to five days in jail. And yes, he's under uh, probation for the next two and a half years. That was just came down in, in August. And Paul Pelosi has had an eventful life. When he was a teenager, he was in a horrible car accident. He was at the wheel and his brother died. Paul said he tried to slow down by shifting gears and lost control. Uh, David John Pelosi was trapped under the car driven by his brother when it flipped over on Skyline Highway. A uh, long time ago, and unfortunately, his brother died that night. Uh, there's some tragedy. There's tragedy in every family. But there's a lot of money in this family. And quite frankly, with everything they've been through, I think they should start making their lives a bit easier, don't you? 
Let's start with uh, how about a full-time car and driver? How much does that cost? They're worth a quarter of a billion dollars. $55,000? Okay. How about a burglar alarm? A state-of-the-art security system. We still don't know if there was a break-in. I hope they have one of these. And if not that, they could get 24-7 armed security. Granted, that is a bit expensive, but they do have the resources. Now, Nancy Pelosi gets security 24-7, but only where she is. It doesn't extend to the family, apparently. Uh, but for the mainstream media, the January 6th comparisons and blaming the right for all of this, it's just too irresistible. No matter what the lack of facts should indicate, take a look. It does feel like we're living in a moment where there's two parallel campaigns. Most Americans, understandably, are focused on gas prices, on inflation. But the other campaign that's happening at the same time is our democracy is facing enormous challenges right now. Uh, a lot of this happens online. People don't really think it's that big of a deal. What happened overnight is important in this country because what's been taking place largely online moved offline into real life. There was an attempted assassination of the Speaker of the House. Really? How does he know that? That's not what the authorities have said. But he wants to make it bigger than it is. And it would be a big deal if there was an attempted assassination against the Speaker of the House. It seems to be a bigger deal when Democrats are targeted, doesn't it? Remember when Rand Paul, the Republican from Kentucky, uh, was attacked on his front lawn? He was beaten up real bad. Yeah, police arrest neighbor after Rand Paul is assaulted at his Kentucky home. And take a look at his injuries. I mean, this was serious. Five broken ribs, bruised lungs. But guess what? The mainstream media and the late night comics, they thought it was cute. They thought it was funny. The attacker, his own neighbor, 59-year-old Rene Boucher. <laughs> Rene Boucher? Wow, that sucks. I mean, getting beaten up sucks, but getting beaten up by Rene Boucher was <laughs> horrible. Israel and Palestine is a minor dispute between neighbors. This is far more serious. We're talking rich people and their lawns. <laughs> right, right. It's totally unfair. It's totally one-sided. And actually, take a look at this. You know who else was laughing? The daughter of Nancy Pelosi. That's Christine Pelosi on the left. And back then, she tweeted, Rand Paul's neighbor was right. Did you hear about that? Didn't really make news, right? Was there widespread outrage? Was there an attempted cancellation? No, because she was attacking a Republican. You know who else actually was seriously threatened? Eric Trump, the son of the president during the campaign. Do you remember this? This morning, Donald Trump finds his own family is now the target of threats. A threatening letter containing a suspicious white powder was sent to the Manhattan home of Eric Trump, one of the candidate's sons. The FBI, Secret Service and the NYPD are all investigating. Wow. Was there a call to dial down the temperature to all come together when that happened? Not at all. Or maybe the anti-Trump forces, maybe they should cool it a little bit. No, no. How about when that madman opened fire at that ball field in Northern Virginia? And who was on the field? A number of Republican members of Congress practicing softball. One of them was Steve Scalise. He almost died that day. And there was grave concern for him, and it was national news. But the gunman 
The suspect, who was actually killed by police right then and there, hated Donald Trump. Trump is a traitor. Trump has destroyed our democracy. It's time to destroy Trump and company. Uh, what else? I think he's a big fan of Bernie. I want Bernie to win the White House. Did I hear anything that Bernie supporters are a threat to democracy after this? Of course not, because they're not. I don't think that. And I don't like it when it's said about them. I don't like it when it's said about us. But this thing is weird in San Francisco. It is. To review, uh, there was no 911 call that we know of. The motive that everyone's saying, they know the motive. Uh, the police are not saying that. And they're also saying, they're, at least they're not saying there was a break-in. There are some interesting things that we do not know, and maybe we never will, given the way things have been going in Washington. I do know this, that uh, Democrats are very nervous right now. You saw them huddled on the, uh, on the tarmac, and um, they're desperate. We know that. We've seen some crazy things they've done, false allegations, October surprises. I do hope that uh, Mr. Pelosi gets better. And Nancy Pelosi, who quite frankly seemed pretty unhinged on the Sunday shows uh, last weekend, I hope she gets some rest. That's it. That's all I have to say about that. All right. When we come back, Rolex, the great watch company. It's amazing what they do. What does this have to do with climate change? Can you believe that climate activists are vandalizing Rolex stores in Europe and beyond? Yeah, I actually love this company. It's extraordinary what they do. And those environmentalists, at least the extremists, they're idiots. We'll be right back. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Well, they love saying that we are a threat to democracy. I love democracy, I love our Constitution, but they are just addicted to this phrase. The Republican Party has been taken over, and they are a threat uh, to democracy. I think all of us um, think that the threats to democracy is one of the most important issues facing our country. A vote for Republicans is a vote to destroy democracy. White supremacy is a global terror threat. The threat to democracy. There is no doubt that this president is a danger to our democracy and to the well-being of the American people. There's no question. Uh, you get the, the picture. Get over yourselves. This is tired. It's not true. I'm actually not a Republican, but uh, you kind of know where uh, my sympathies lie at this point. Let's go through the Federalists. Great people over there <laughs> came up with a list of everything the Democrats have claimed recently is a threat to democracy. OK, you ready for this? It's a long one. Donald Trump, Republicans, Ted Cruz. Next. Josh Hawley, Ron DeSantis, Dr. Oz, all threats to democracy. Tudor Dixon, Ron Johnson, legitimately conducted elections. Also questioning elections, the events of January 6, 2021, election security legislation. Yes, all of this. Poll watchers, Elon Musk, freedom of speech, even uh, misinformation. Parents had school board meetings, pro-lifers, most definitely. Yeah, right. Uh, the Supreme Court, Clarence and Ginny Thomas, the Electoral College, our bicameral legislature. All of it is, oh, and finally, democracy itself. Yes. I've also heard, by the way, that all of these things, not only are they a threat to democracy, 
They're also racist. I wonder what they would make of this new poll from USA Today. Take a look. Uh, support Supporting Republican candidates, 40% of Hispanics and 21% of black people. That is up and is really freaking Democrats out. Let's look at, yeah, these are big, big advances and could change the course of history. All right, moving on now to one of my most prized possessions, my watch. It's a Rolex. I'm proud of it. I received it as a gift from my parents uh, the day I graduated flight school when I was a Marine Corps pilot, newly winged naval aviator. Rolex is an amazing company. I love uh, their products. I mean, they're timeless. These things last forever. Not like the latest Apple Watch, which will probably be in a shoebox in about uh, two years. So when people do things like this, when they deface a beautiful Rolex store in London, England, in the name of the environment, it bothers the hell out of me. I'm sorry. It's so lazy. Think about the people who work there. Um, It's just sad and pathetic and that these folks are glorified by the left it's um, it's a sin quite frankly we've been seeing so much of this remember these idiot girls who went into that museum and and defaced the uh, the painting i always notice something totally hypocritical about them like she has dyed hair she's worried about the environment and look at all the chemicals that are in her hair isn't that something all right Uh, I'm not done reading the new book about Donald Trump by Maggie Haberman, Confidence Man. I'm really enjoying all the weirdo mistakes and um, erroneous information. Now, Donald Trump became famous in part for renovating the Woolman Rink. Now, that was a, a dilapidated heap. It's in Central Park for many, many years. The city could not fix it. The city could not fix it. Donald Trump said, I can fix it. And Mayor Koch actually granted him the opportunity. He didn't want to at first. There was real rivalry between these guys. I want to uh, show you how Maggie Haberman reports on all of this in her book. Remember, the rink was completed. Everybody thought Donald Trump did a great job. Listen to her version. But it was immediately clear that he planned to claim all the credit for the successful completion of the rink himself. He did not give Koch much attention in his remarks at the ceremony nor did he mention HRH Construction or other contractors. Art Nussbaum, then the head of HRH, stopped working with Trump after the display of narcissism. Getting the silver and the bronze, Nussbaum said later. He's got to get the gold, the silver, and the bronze all at one time. Well, that's that's a really negative interpretation of it all. And uh, a lot of that guy's, uh, his thoughts, it doesn't, it doesn't comport with reality. First of all, people in New York were thrilled at the service Donald Trump did in renovating this, uh, this ice skating rink. Even his arch enemy, Ed Koch, was effusive in his praise. Donald, you performed a great public service. Trump did something amazing and people, even his enemies, were happy about it. They had to praise him because everybody loved it. And Trump actually acknowledged that people helped him out, that they did not stand in his way. No roadblocks were put up. In fact, it was the exact opposite. We've gotten our permits, our approvals. We've gotten everything as quickly as it could be gotten. And how about sharing the spotlight? The guy said, oh, he wouldn't stand at the podium with anybody. There's half a dozen people there, right? Uh, Okay. Hey, one other thing in this book. They said when Donald Trump went to the Republican National Convention back in 1988, there he is with Chris Wallace. Uh, Donald Trump was 
mesmerized, just beyond. He couldn't, he just couldn't take it all in. It was so wondrous. You need to stay close, Gay told Trump, as they started to navigate the organized chaos of the convention floor. Trump was mesmerized, enraptured by the display around him. All right. Does Trump seem at all mesmerized or enraptured in this next clip with Chris Wallace? I don't think I've ever seen him mesmerized or enraptured, and he certainly isn't here. What do you have? Well, that's right, Tom. One of the interesting things about any national convention is the surprising people who show up on the floor. And here tonight is real estate tycoon and best-selling author Donald Trump. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> you're you're welcome. You have flirted with the idea of politics. Now you're here at your first national convention. Does that get you interested in possibly making the plunge? Now you have to tell me something. Who told you I flirted? Well, I, you, I didn't know that I flirted. Well, with you took out full-page ads in the New York Times to talk about your foreign policy. Oh, Some people would say... Strongly. I do feel very strongly about the country. I love the country, but... I think you're going to have probably George Bush as your next president. He's an excellent guy, an excellent man. He's a friend of mine, and I'm here for that reason. Well, well I wasn't talking about this year, Mr. Trump, but you have said that if you ran for president, you'd win. I think I'd have a very good chance. I mean, I like to win. When I do something, I like to win. I like to, uh, I like to do well, and I think I probably would have a pretty good chance. Tom Brokaw mentioned a moment ago that you have prospered in the Reagan years, and some people have said that Ronald Reagan ushered in an era... Some people say of greed and conspicuous consumption, and frankly, some people say Donald Trump is a conspicuous example of that. You, you make no apologies about the, the hundred-room mansion in Palm Beach or the $30 million yacht. Well, I employ thousands and thousands of people that wouldn't have jobs if it weren't for things that I built. I mean, I employ probably 25 or 30,000 people, and that, that's, these are things that I've done over the last four or five-year period, Chris, and I think that a lot of people are very thankful for it, so I can't make any excuses. I'm very proud of what One last quick do. question. Can you laugh? of the Doonesbury cartoons about the quality of the solid gold sinks in your yacht? Well, everybody tells me I'm supposed to be honored by that. I'm not sure if it's an honor or not, but he certainly, I mean, someday maybe he's going to be able to find another topic, but I certainly seem to be in a lot of his cartoons. I'm not sure if they're good, bad, or indifferent, but I guess I'm supposed to be honored. Donald Trump, thanks very much for coming tonight. You have a good Not mesmerized, not enraptured, not intimidated, just something else they got wrong. Oh, well, what are you going to do? You can skip by in the book. I bought it, and uh, what can I tell you? All right, stay with us. Oh, Bertie Carrick is going to be with us in a little bit, and gays against groomers, a victory for them and all of us in Florida. Now, most people find it, well, deeply, deeply disturbing that children would be undergoing sexual reassignment surgery or be receiving puberty blockers, hormones, things like that. That's not for children. Most people agree with that, okay? And guess what? They're not all MAGA people. People from all walks of life think that that's a bad thing. Now, there's an extreme fringe that is pushing it, but you're talking MAGA, liberals, LGBTQ, all kinds of people think this is wrong, including my next guest, Jamie Michael. She's the founder of Gays Against Groomers, and it's an amazing uh, uh, internet presence. It started, I believe, as an Instagram campaign, and uh, they're just making all kinds of inroads and achieving all kinds of great things. Jamie, welcome back. How are you? Hi, Greg. Happy to be here. Thank you. All right. First up, Florida. The physicians in Florida actually officially said, we're not, we're not going to allow this for children. Did it go that far? Tell us what went down, please. 
Right. Well, first of all, I'm happy to be here with finally some good news, right? There's a, a big win today. Um, what happened in Florida was the Florida Board of Medicine heard the testimonies of multiple, a bunch of t uh, detransitioners and parents who had children that were medicalized under the guise of gender affirming care which we know it is not whatsoever, it's abuse. And the board voted and they voted to ban uh, medicalizing children, um, you know, providing this uh, care, these <clears throat> this quote unquote care, this, uh, you know, puberty blockers and mutilating their bodies, they ban that in Florida. Um, so it's a great first step. Uh, I do believe it has to go through another board to be finalized, but it looks like it's on track to do that. and. Uh, it seems that the U.S. is finally catching up with other Western nations that are uh, backrolling all of this um, because, you know, the truth is coming out and this is hurting kids. No child can make permanent decisions about their body and, uh, you know, with, with consequences they're going to have to live with for the rest of their lives. And uh, we're, we're so happy to see this happen today. There was some remarkable testimony. These are folks who detransitioned young people who underwent a sex reassignment and then went back. Uh, talk about traumatizing. Let's take a look. There are many compounding factors for why I felt wrong in my body. I disclosed these things to my psychologist and prescribing physician, but was still told that I needed to transition. At 16, after years of medically transitioning, I came to realize I severely regretted my transition. I feel stuck in surgically created body. I believe nobody under 18 should be allowed to medically transition. Sex reassignment surgery should only be allowed in very rare cases after a full psych evaluations. Patients should be made aware that what they're really getting is a cosmetic surgery and it's a general approximation surgery that does not change biological sex. Uh, very compelling testimony. But let me ask you, uh, the, the Florida Board of Medicine said this and as you mentioned it's got to be uh it's got to go up the chain one more level what does it mean practically speaking i mean it's banned is it a recommendation do they have the authority to say this doesn't happen here i mean some states have tried to pass laws this is not that this is a medical board uh what authority do they actually have and how far can this go Right. That I don't know exactly, but I know that, uh, you know, a lot of trans rights activists are very upset about the decision today. And they're they're saying that trans children will no longer be able to, to receive these procedures and these medications. So I'm not sure what the exact ne next steps are, um, but if they're upset about it, we're happy <laughs> because they want to butcher these kids and, and medicalize them for the rest of their lives. And this is a step against that. So we're hoping it goes all the way in that and that legislation is put in place as well, if need if need be. Um, but the, the board took a brave first step in the right direction. And uh, we're hoping that it is banned in the state of Florida and all over the country soon. Once again, you're from a group called Gays Against Groomers, LGBTQ. And I believe you told us before you fall in the L on that spectrum. Um, and I raise that because I just think there's so much that brings Americans together. This is a possibly far more united country than we have been led to believe. It's a very vocal leftist, extremist, transgender, crazy fringe that's pushing this stuff up uh, on kids so aggressively. You, you, you're showing me there's more unity out there. Is that a fair interpretation? That's 100% correct. You know, the fringe radicals within our community that are pushing this are so loud because they're backed by, you know, the establishment that obviously wants to ram this agenda through. 
but, you know, this is the most uniting issue, I believe. Uh, we have support from all over the political spectrum, which we were really surprised about at first. But, you know, it makes sense. Uh, the the Democrats seem to be abandoning the majority of their party and definitely independents, and they're not going to get any Republicans on their side, you know, pushing this and supporting it. Um, but, you know, I tr that's why I truly believe that this is going to end soon, this abuse on children, because we have the majority of the population fighting against it. And, you know, they have censorship and intimidation. And because of Elon Musk, I think they just lost the censorship part, which is crucial to their survival. So. Uh, the tide is turning, like I said, and it, it's it's an exciting time, but we have a lot further to go and we'll be in the fight till the end. It's really. Hey, what do you do? What do you do when you're not doing this stuff? What's your full time job? Uh, well, this has taken up a lot of my time. I'm actually also a graphic designer full time. So it helps with the work at Great Gays Against Groomers. I I made this shirt. The logo, everything you see. Very, um, very cool, very cool. You're very good at it. So gazeagainstgroomers.com or on right. Twitter at against G-R-M-R-S, and we'll put it on our website. By the way, did I get your name wrong, Michelle, or is it Michael? It's Michelle. It's Michelle. That's I okay. I know. How did I? Uh, sorry about that, You're Jamie. Far, okay. Far from the only one. It's okay. Thank you so much, and we'll be right back. It this country was made by tax rebels, freedom fighters, gold seekers, believers, lovers, and true patriots. We're Newsmax. And we're their heirs, and so are you. Newsmax TV, real news for real people. So there is the home of uh, Nancy and Paul Pelosi in San Francisco. You know by now that uh, Paul Pelosi was hit in the head with a hammer. Now, they say he's going to be okay, but it was pretty serious, uh, a concussion. Uh, and his skull, I think, was fractured as well. And uh, they say he's going to be okay. I hope so. He's an older guy, 82 years old. Now, the police department today, I'm sorry, that was a very bizarre press conference. Um, they seem to be circumspect, uh, dancing around some issues. Uh, but I'd like to bring in an expert, Bernie Carrick, the former police commissioner of New York City. Uh, welcome back, sir. How are you? And what did you think of today? There's something up here I sense. Yeah, it was uh, it was a bit uh, weird, Greg. You know, I, I am I, I got to be honest. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised um, that they don't have more coverage on the speaker of the house's home. Um, I, I don't care where she lives. Uh, I, I found it a little hard to believe um, that they don't have uh, the kind of coverage they should to prevent something like this from happening. Um, I would I would be looking at the Capitol Police, the San Francisco Police. Uh, I'm sure something will come out of this, but um, you know what? I'm glad uh, Mr. Pelosi is okay. Um, but I, I think this investigation is going to—it's uh, going to lead to some things that, where some changes may have to be made in securing some of the residences of uh, of the leaders of the House and Senate. All right. Always could use more security, but. Um Listen to this. This is the, uh, the first uh, few moments of today's very brief briefing from the San Francisco police. At approximately 2.27 this morning, San Francisco police officers were dispatched to the residence of Speaker Nancy Pelosi regarding an A-priority well-being check. When the officers arrived on scene, they encountered an adult male and Mr. Pelosi's husband, Paul. 
A couple of things about that. Uh, it wasn't a 911 call. It was an a priority well-being check. Now, yeah. I don't know what that is. Uh, well-being checks to me are somebody else calls. They're worried about their grandfather. They haven't heard from them in a long time. You know, that's, it's, it's something that, happened that's inside. Exactly, that's exactly right, uh, Greg. What that normally is is a call from an outsider saying that so-and-so is missing, has not answered their phone. Uh, we can't get a hold of them. Can you stop by and check it out? That's yeah. what that normally is. All right. And also, he just says that we see Paul Pelosi and an individual. There's no word about how this individual got in the house. None. None. Next, please roll it. Our officers observed Mr. Pelosi and the suspect both holding a hammer. The suspect pulled the hammer away from Mr. Pelosi and violently assaulted him with it. Okay, they were both holding a hammer. I find that very odd as well. I'm sorry. Uh, the assault actually didn't start until the police arrived. Well, I, am you I, know I, what? I, I, Greg, I, I don't know if I don't know if the chief was was really explaining it right. Um, it just sounds awful odd. There's no talk of a, a burglary, no talk of an entrance point, no talk about what happened before the police got there. They're both standing there holding hammers. Um, I, I don't like I said, the investigation's going to uh, it'll be uh, it'll be odd. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting. Uh, let's say that. To well, they may not tell us the reality. And, and by the way, this press conference was held when 1230 Eastern to nine, seven hours after the incident. You guys figure it out pretty quick. What the hell went down, right? Yeah, within 45 minutes to an hour. I mean, look, the police responded. I mean, the police were right there. I, I'm confident the chief knows a lot more than he said. And the way he described it is extremely odd. I mean, it's just uh, there uh, leaves it open to a bunch of questions. Well, it does. But they took no questions. If we could jump down to the last where it's like, thank you. Goodbye. We're leaving now. A grand total of three minutes later. Thank you all. You may have. We'll update you when we get more. Do you know how he got into the house? That's it for right now. We're not going to take any questions. Thank you. We, our office will be issuing a news release very soon. But that's it for now. Thank you. They did not. They would not say how the guy got in the house. And by the way, yeah, that, well, hey, Greg, and that was the question. I mean, that, that that is the most important question. Right. And that's the only question that they've got asked. And they refuse to answer it, which uh, it's another point of uh, interest. Now, burglary is uh, one of the charges, but that doesn't mean, well, we don't know. We don't know. Stay tuned. Bernie Carrick, always great to see you. Uh, thanks very much. Thanks, Greg. You bet. We'll be right back. All I can say... Is, is that, that the, the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? <laughs> if only they would have given President Trump the benefit of the doubt to say, hey, he's pretty smart. He became president. He's the president. He may know things that we don't. They never did. But he was almost always right. We're looking at TikTok. We may be banning TikTok. We may be doing some other things. There are a couple of options. They're going to be showing me everything in a little while on TikTok. And uh, we have some great companies who want to buy it. And we're looking at those companies. We're looking at 
most importantly, the security with respect to China. We'll either close up TikTok in this country for security reasons or it'll be sold. Oh, why would the president be worried about a harmless app like TikTok? <laughs> the elites thought this was hilarious and so silly that the president would be talking about a child's app. And we've got breaking news this morning. The Trump administration announcing it will block downloads of Chinese-owned apps TikTok, TikTok and WeChat starting Sunday. Why would the president be doing this, making this threat? Who is in his corner right now saying, yeah, this is good for America? This is mostly a political move, um, but uh, it is based around a, a tiny seed of something which, which could be a real concern. And this is big. The Trump administration says that starting this weekend, they're banning TikTok from the App Store. Uh, the government says China is using TikTok to steal your data. Yeah, Americans are like, we already gave it to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Alexa, Apple Watch, Ring Doorbell, the Face Swap app. All right. Donald Trump is right. And now Democrats are acknowledging that. Senator Mark Warner of Virginia said this. Trump was right. Yes, this is not something you would normally hear me say. But Donald Trump was right on TikTok years ago, Warner said. If your country uses Hawaii, if your kids are on TikTok, the ability for China to have undue influence is, I think, a much greater challenge and a much more immediate threat than any kind of actual armed conflict. That's from, again, Mark Warner, Democrat senator from Virginia. If only they gave him that kind of credit, that kind of respect when he was in office. He was right. He has talent. And they hate him for it, unfortunately. And a lot of us paid the price for their hatred and resistance of him. All right, moving on. Oh, back to MSNBC. Joy Reid. Is this a nervous breakdown waiting to happen or what? You can be here a wave quietly and silently wave, Tim Scott. But the minute you try to legislate, Lindsey Graham, your fellow South Carolina senator, is going to cut the legs out from under you. What they want is Herschel, who's going to sit there quietly and nod and nod and nod while he's being pointed to as if he is a prop. The reality of it is, it goes back to the main point. They have someone that they can ultimately control. These people don't represent many at all. These are fringe extremists. And these are horrible things to say in public. Herschel's going to win, I feel. And he's his own man. Good for him. Must be something in the water over there at uh, MSNBC. Or as the great one Mark Levin calls it, MSDNC. You talk every single day to voters. We know they're worried about the cost of living. But has anyone articulated to you what they think they're going to get? If they have a different party in charge, Joe Biden just said it when it comes to cutting Social Security and Medicare. Are they aware of that? No, I don't think they are. And, and you know, it's, it's just a simple proposition that they feel bad about the way things are going and they just want to change change horses. I think that the Democrats could have done a better job of talking up the economy. Listen, it's it's always a tough position when you're the party in power and things don't seem to be going well. But we've got a good report today. I couldn't hear most of what he was saying. I was just looking at his hat. Sorry. We'll be right back. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. I'll be here on Monday night. Take care.